are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? It is another Thursday episode of Locked On Dolphins, and we are going to be getting into a crossover Thursday edition of the show here with Q from Locked On Raiders. So, Uh, Consider this a nice little double dip. We obviously went into the news uh, on the earlier show today about Tua Tungvaloa being announced as being out for this contest against the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 3. Not ideal scenario, no, but uh, we'll see how this Dolphins team adjusts, and that is one of the number of topics that we get into this conversation with Q. So without further ado, welcome to the second Thursday September 23rd, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins, a crossover Thursday episode with Locked On Raiders. We are back here on the Locked On Network with another edition of Crossover Thursday in a week three of the 2021 regular season. The Miami Dolphins will be headed west for their only West Coast trip to face the Las Vegas Raiders. So it's only natural that me, your host Kyle Krabs on Locked On Dolphins, links up with your boy Q over on Locked On Raiders to talk a little bit about Dolphins Raiders in week three. Uh, So Q, it's it's great to catch up with you and congratulations on a really successful start to your campaign. Anytime you could say you're beating the Steelers and the Ravens to start the year, you're doing something right, right? That's what I like to think. Absolutely. You know, when I looked at the schedule, when it came out, you know, we always go through the schedule release and say, hey, this is a win. This is a loss. This is going to be a tough stretch. But uh, I saw it and thought, oh, man, this is this is a tough one. AFC North opponents, uh, you know, guys that are always going to be playoff teams, teams that expect to be playoff teams. And, you know, they're going to be a tough out, but a, a good test for the Raiders early and for them, they were able to survive both tests, you know, uh, one at home and one on the road. And I was actually more impressed by the win on the road against Pittsburgh, but off to a good start. But as we all know, and you know very well, this is a marathon, not a sprint. That's right. And, and obviously, these are two teams that not too long ago in the grand scheme of NFL play uh, played each other week 16 last year. And what was a really entertaining game and closely contested all the way to the end. And, uh, you know, we're going to get those same conditions, but but now Raiders are going to have a a bunch of really enthusiastic fans in the stands uh, for this beautiful stadium that you guys have set up. So uh, Q, I wanted to ask you uh, a couple of questions about each side of the football. And and when the conversation starts with the Raiders right now, a couple of names come up, Uh, Derek Carr, obviously leading the NFL in passing, averaging over 400 yards per game. Uh, But the name that's really jumping to me is, is this pass rush with Max Crosby and just how, on fire he has started this season what are you seeing different from Max Crosby this season from what he has put on throughout the course of his first couple games or first couple seasons in the NFL where he's been a good pass rusher but maybe not to the same degree in which he's just been this overwhelming pest for opposing quarterbacks you know, it's so funny that, you know, the, the guy that's more intriguing and the conversation that's more intriguing right now is about the Raiders defense, <laughs> you know, right. that that hasn't been the case in a very long time, but Max Crosby has been a great story 
Uh, he's a great player. Uh, he was a good player his rookie year. Uh, he took a little bit of a step back last season. But this year, I'll tell you, one of the keys is, and, and the story is out there, that he's sober. He's been over 18 months sober now. Him and Darren Waller are really cl uh, close. And we all know Darren Waller's story. He's been sober for over mm -hmm. now four years. And I'll tell you, being at training camp throughout, uh, you know, throughout the, the summer and everything, he just looked faster. He looked more intense. He looked like he was really locked in on what he was supposed to be doing. And I think that that had a lot to do with it is his mind is clear and he's playing fast and he's playing with a purpose. And then he's got unique Ngakwe on the other side. And I think that that's helping him as well. I think Ngakwe kind of took him under his wing and helped him learn how to be a pro. And it's been really paying off for him as he's leading the league in, in pressures right now. You know, he's a really good defensive end in year three of his four-year contract. And, you know, this is one of those money years, you know. So he really could make himself a lot of coin if he goes and continues to have the kind of season he's having. But Max Crosby's been fun to watch. And now the Raiders have a defense. And it's fun to actually be able to talk about their defense instead of saying that they're the liability. Now they're an asset to the team. Yeah, so obviously with defensive coordinator Gus Bradley there, and everybody kind of knows his coaching tree and lineage and, you know, kind of hailing from that traditional cover three. That's the next place I want to take this conversation is uh, week two, uh, the Buffalo Bills had a lot of success against the Dolphins by crowding the line of scrimmage, by creating a lot of pressure looks and really testing Miami from a blitz perspective. So uh, for Dolphins fans are, who are listening who may not be familiar with Gus Bradley and his system and the style of play that the Raiders are playing defensively, uh, what are your expectations? Are you expecting to see them try to uh, take what worked in week two? Or are they saying, hey, you know, this is what we do defensively and this is what we're going to try and do against Miami? You know, I just think they're going to continue to try to be themselves, you know, be a better version of themselves each and every week. Uh, I'll tell you this. I thought the defense would be much better under Gus Bradley. I didn't think they'd be this much better this fast. I was surprised that it gelled so quickly, but it has. And they've been getting home with the front four. They haven't been blitzed, and they've blitzed two times so far in two weeks. You know, and that was against the Baltimore Ravens, right. and and that's it. They've been getting home with the front four. Gus Bradley likes to come in waves. He likes to have, you know, guys coming in with the second string that are able to be fresh and just get after the quarterback. He doesn't want to have to send the house because if you send the house and you don't get there, well, we all know you get burned. So uh, the linebacking core, veterans, K.J. Wright, Denzel Perryman has been a, a really good player. You know, the, the Raiders made a trade for him to get him from Carolina, and he's really been good leading the team in tackles the last two games. And, man, he just it just seems like the veterans that are there, the Casey Haywards, the Unique Ngakwe's, the Denzel Perrimans, the K.J. Wright, have really kind of calmed down the Raiders' defense. And, and it's a major reason why they're having some, some, some early excess, like, success like they're having. It's, it's been a quick turnaround. I've been kind of surprised. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic and daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price of the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So let, let me finish on the defensive side of the ball with this question. And, and obviously they have had success, you know, getting after Lamar Jackson and, you know, Ben Roethlisberger not being a more of a mobile quarterback. So they've got a 
test of a different kind of quarterback in the first two weeks. And uh, that, that defensive success has translated against both types of players. Uh, so if you look at the personnel that the Raiders have on the defensive side of the ball and you were on the other side of the fence and you were looking at, you know, let's try to build our offensive game plan to attack the Raiders defense here. What aspect of this Raiders defense would you point to and say, hey, if you're going to have success against the Raiders, this is probably where you're going to have to start and then spider web it off of that? You know, that's a that's actually a really good question. Um, you know, I, I would really try to establish the run game and see how the Raiders hold up. And the reason I say that is because Unique Ngakwe is a good pass rusher, really good pass rusher. Max Crosby is a really good pass rusher, but they're not the best run stuffers. Now, with that being said, the Raiders have done a good job against the run so far in the season, but I kind of feel like they have, you know, they could have a, a moment where they break and then guys are able to get out and, and really get the run game established. And if you uh, establish the run game, then you know everything kind of can, can play off of that and do, do really well off of that. Uh, I feel pretty good about the safety position, especially with Jonathan Abram now playing up in the box. Uh, Trayvon Merrick, he's a safety, a free safety rookie out of the second round guy out of TCU. You know, maybe if you try to attack him deep and, and hope that he makes a rookie mistake. But I'll tell you, and, and this is not me trying to sound like this thing is, is, you know, a lights out defense. I feel pretty confident about, you know, every level of the defense right now. I feel like they're solid. I'm not saying that they're great. I just feel like they're solid. They're playing complimentary football with the offense and it's just, it's gelling really well. So uh, I would just say that maybe establish the run and then try to suck up the, the, the defenders, the, the linebackers and the safeties, and then maybe try to beat them over the top. Yeah, that's it's, it. It feels really good when I come onto a crossover and something I said on Wednesday ages well with something that the host of the opposing show says, I, I think Miami really needs to come out and that, they averaged 320 pounds across the offensive line. And that was what I had said on Wednesdays, you know, guys, we got to cut out the RPOs and try and just run the football with traditional run fits. You got a size advantage and test it and see how it goes. So it sounds like uh, we're, we're kind of in alignment on that. But when Q, I look at this Raiders offense, I think this is the really exciting matchup because it's good on good, right? It's the Raiders passing attack versus this really high priced and really talented Dolphins secondary uh, Carr is airing it out down the field. You know, he's really bucked that narrative about him as a kind of a check down style quarterback to, throughout his time with John Gruden. And obviously, whether it's Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs or obviously Darren Waller with the mismatch opportunities that he affords to all levels of the field. Uh, Carr is having a lot of success pushing the ball. Uh, sounds like he had a little bit of an injury scare, but was good to go for practice on Wednesday. So uh, what is it about the Raiders offense that you think from a passing perspective presents the biggest challenge to opposing teams? You know, I, I'll have to say, I think it's uh, Hunter Renfro. I really do. As funny as that's going to sound that, you know, he's not the guy that you think is going to blow the, the top off the defense. I just think he always makes himself available, you know, so he's always there. He's always, uh, you know, finding a, a soft spot in the zone and just being available. I mean, you mentioned Darren Waller. That's obviously target number one, but most teams are going to attempt to take him away. Henry Ruggs is the guy with the speed. You saw him get that 61 yard uh, touchdown catch a week ago against Pittsburgh. I just think that stuff like Hunter to Renfro and even Kenyon Drake out of the backfield because the run game, as you as you can look, that it hasn't been great the first two weeks for the Raiders. That's something that they need to continue to try to work on. Josh Jacobs is out and the, and the offensive line is banged up. But I think that the short underneath passes that Derek Carr is completing, Kenyon Drake is turning that 
three or four yard pass into an eight or nine yard play, you know, and then Hunter Renfro is doing the same thing. I think that those are really good extensions of the run when the run game's not established. So that's why uh, I think that the offense is clicking so much because then uh, similar to what we were talking about with the run game, you suck up the rest of the defenders. Then that's when Carr takes that shot like he did on, on Sunday against Pittsburgh and Henry Ruggs was able to come through, but uh, they have a lot of complimentary pieces right now. But I think that since they're not running the rock, like they want to run the rock, that that short intermediate pass is really what they're looking at. Yeah, that was the one statistic that really jumped out to me like, oh, wow, the Raiders uh, through the first two weeks, they're averaging 0.1 yards before contact per rush, which is like a really surprising number. And as you mentioned, uh, Josh Jacobs did not play uh, last week. So my next question is, you know, I'm looking at the death chart and and obviously uh, Denzel Good went down with injury early in the season and Jermaine Illuminor, who was on the Dolphins for part of training camp is penciled in at at right guard. And you have Andre James, who's taking over uh, for Rodney Hudson, who was arguably one of the best centers in football. Right. And and Richie Incognito has not played uh, early on in the season as well. So how many of these pieces are the Raiders expecting to get back for week three? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, Denzel Goods out for the season, as you mentioned, that's a done deal. Richie Incognito, I would be surprised if he plays anytime soon. Okay. I wouldn't even be shocked if he doesn't play at all this season. You know, it's just he's older. He's uh, coming off an Achilles injury, not a tear, but an injury. And now he's got a calf injury. He hasn't practiced since the second week of the preseason. So, you you know, it's, it's your best guess when Richie Incognito comes back. Um, James will be there at the center position, but I, I just think that you're going to see a healthy dose of John Simpson. You'll see a healthy dose of, of uh, uh, Illuminor, like you mentioned. And maybe the one question mark I have is maybe Alex Leatherwood gets back into action. He went out at halftime against Pittsburgh. Maybe he gets uh, back. He, he practiced in full on Wednesday, but it was a walkthrough. So I don't want to take a whole lot uh, out of that yet. I'd rather see the injury report on Friday and, and make a judgment. So if he doesn't go, then it's Brandon Parker back out there at that right tackle position. And he's been a turnstile. He really has. He's been a guy that, that uh, you know, Raider Nation cringes when he gets in the game, even though he held up against Pittsburgh. It wasn't T.J. Watt, but he still held up pretty well against them. I still don't trust him 100%. So that would be an area of concern if Brandon Parker is the starting right tackle, which there's a good chance he will be. And then what about Jacobs in the backfield? Obviously a former first-round pick at the running back position, and he's so talented, and he ran through Miami so well in Week 16 last year. Uh, what are the odds we see him back this week too? I don't think they're very good at all. You know, on Monday, John Gruden said he's very, very questionable to play. Uh, He had an ankle and a toe injury on Wednesday's injury report. They just listed an ankle injury. So I felt like that was uh, encouraging, but I still don't think he plays. I think you'll see a healthy dose of Kenyon Drake and uh, Peyton Barber, a guy that you saw last week as well. Uh, That's probably the two dudes that you'll see uh, from the running back position. And and like I said, that goes back to Kenyon Drake catching some of those short passes and turning them into eight or nine yard, uh, you know, plays. And so I think that that's what you'll see probably a heavy dose of that again on Sunday, because I just don't think Josh Jacobs is going to go. Well, it's it's definitely going to be an eagerly anticipated rematch from these two teams from week 16 with, you know, obviously it's early in the season as compared to the end of the season, but Raiders trying to roll through momentum and really stake their claim in a crowded AFC field for playoff positioning. Cause we expect, you know, you had mentioned when we had talked early on in the pre-show, the Broncos are two and zero, so they got a little bit of momentum and, and we expect, of course, the, the chiefs to be there at the end of the year as well. So all of this jostling early in the year, you know, one game in week three is not going to make or break anybody, but 
this is definitely a high stakes matchup and uh, looking forward to having the tables turned and, and Q you grill on me on these Miami dolphins who are coming off about as disastrous of a performance as I can think of during the Brian Flores era, which we're going to get into right now. The football season is back and all eyes are on the gridiron. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football betting action this fall. With a new updated site and interface with more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Dolphins fans, listen. I have an incredible app opportunity for anybody and everybody who buys gas. To, you need to know. Get upside. My listeners are saving up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back per gallon on your first fill-up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no cash. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. All right, so welcome back to the crossover edition, Talking Dolphins, Talking Raiders. You're on the Locked On Podcast Network and Kyle Krabs, the host of Locked On Fins at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. And uh, Kyle, we know that Jacoby Brissett's going to be the guy to get the start for the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa, he's out. He may play next week, but what we're talking about is this week. So in your opinion, what quarterback gives the Dolphins the better chance to succeed and, and have a chance to win on Sunday, Tua or Jacoby? And kind of what's the difference between the two quarterbacks uh, now that we know exactly who the quarterback will be? Yeah, and, and Brian Flores on Wednesday when he announced that, that Tua was not going to be available for Miami in this game, he was asked if it was going to change the offensive game plan for Miami at all, and, and Coach Flores said no, and I kind of chuckled at him, like, Coach, I don't, I don't believe you, to be completely honest. They have done so much work this offseason to try to uh, tailor an offensive structure and attack that really suits Tua Tungvaloa's best traits, which is a lot of RPOs, like an overwhelming amount of RPO action. And Jacoby Brissett came in very early in the game against Buffalo. And because that was what they installed, that was a lot of what you saw. Uh, I don't think that's what you're going to see with Brissett at quarterback. Uh, we had mentioned in the earlier segment, uh, Miami opportunities to, to block things more traditionally in the run game. Uh, I think they're going to try to establish the run with Jacoby and then go with some max protect deep shots down the field. Uh, in an effort to try and utilize this speed with Will Fuller coming back and obviously Jalen Waddle, who was the number six overall pick and just maximize the blocking surface. So that from a, a schematic standpoint, I think is the biggest departure is probably some more uh, traditional reads and, and 
route combinations as compared to a lot of the quick hitting RPOs that you get with Tua Tungavaloa. And it's kind of a double-edged sword because from an RPO perspective, you have the opportunity to make the defense wrong if they're out of position or if they trigger too early on one thing versus the other. Uh, but, but I think from Miami's perspective, so much of what they struggled with against Buffalo was miscommunications up front, not being on the same page, and the Bills just blitzed a ton to the side of the back. And I think if you're going to run a more traditional offense while they're figuring out what components of this new, new look offense works and what doesn't work for them, kind of getting away from so much RPO-centric might be a breath of fresh air to at least give them some new looks to be able to figure out what's going to work. So uh, obviously it's never ideal when your starting quarterback is out, but uh, for the timing based off of what happened last week, I think this is a good opportunity for Miami to ask themselves some hard questions and kind of reevaluate what they're doing. You know, it's funny because the Raiders, they have Marcus Mariota as their backup. Obviously, he's out. He's on IR right now. But everyone says and feels pretty confident about him because he was a former starter in the league. And so, you know, been there, done that. Well, I've been telling everyone, hey, Jacoby Brissett, he started as well. And I know it didn't go well in, in Indianapolis, but he has that start under his belt. He's not a guy, a, a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed type rookie that doesn't know the lights might be too bright for him. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's a veteran, so I, I don't think a lot of Raider Nation is taking him as seriously as they should. I think this guy is a guy who can go in there and get it done, especially with a full week of practice, knowing he's going to be the guy. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Miami offensively, even going back to last year, uh, a, a lot of the games that they coached, they kind of coach each game in a vacuum, and they understand when it's going to be a tightly contested game. And you know, it, it's very easy, and we're all guilty of this, of, oh, the, the backup quarterback starting – like this is great for us. And uh, from Miami's perspective, I think they're going to understand that they're going to have to coach this game pretty close to the vest. They're, they're going to take some selective shots, but they're not going to be out here trying to throw the ball 40 times like they did against Buffalo when they were down 14, nothing in the first seven minutes of the football game. I think, you know, that this is probably going to be a little bit more of a slower paced game. They're going to try and manufacture some shots down the field. Uh, and Jacoby's got the arm to take those kind of shots. And Will Fuller's kind of a big wild card in the fact that he's back and did not play in week one. So uh, I agree with you that, that Jacoby as uh, being a backup quarterback, and he was seven and eight the last time he was a full-time starter in 2019, uh, didn't even eclipse uh, 3,000 yards in that passing season. Uh, so he's not necessarily somebody who you're going to live and die by. Right. But if you're Miami, yeah, you feel like he gives you a chance to win the game, and that's why they paid him $5 million, and they made it a priority to go out and get an experienced backup quarterback for instances exactly like this. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm looking at. And I, I actually I told a lot of Raider fans, I said, honestly, I'd probably rather see Tua out there just based off what we've seen from Tua last. You know what I mean? What, what the fan base was able to see a year ago when he was in Allegiant Stadium and got pulled for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who ended up pulling out the game at the end in just an unbelievable fashion. But I, I kind of said that, hey, I think that, that Tua uh, would give you the better chance of saying, I feel like this is going to be a victory. But I wanted to ask you, you mentioned Will Fuller. Jalen Waddle obviously is the rookie out of Alabama. He's a heck of a player, man. I really enjoyed him uh, when he was at Alabama. What do you think? And I know this is Will Fuller's first game. What do you think this one-two punch can possibly be between Waddle and Fuller? 
I think it can be really, really dynamic. And especially Miami has still not let go a lot of the two tight end sets that they implemented last year. Uh, so they run a fair amount of 12 personnel. It's not like what, you know, you do have Devonte Parker and Fuller and Waddle, and they're not running a bunch of 10 personnel and running empty backfields and all that kind of stuff. They're still trying to, to get as much on the blocking surface, uh, surface as they can. And a lot of that comes down to the inexperience of the offensive line, because uh, obviously they had a lot of communication issues and they were uh, abysmal. They've given up pressures on, on one out of every two pass attempts uh, that they've had, but they faced two teams in Buffalo who was uncharacteristic with how much they blitzed and then New England who are very much uh, blitz heavy defenses to kind of create miscommunications. Uh, so Miami, I would expect their game plan to be, hey, let's run some 12. Let's keep these tight ends in here. Let's create more traffic for Crosby and Ngakwe to try and navigate through uh, to make a mess of things. But you know, I think with the speed at receiver, your hope is that that vertical threat down the field uh, loosens up that extra hat in the box in the run game when they do you know, go over the top and take some shots. And, and then obviously trying to get behind the linebackers very quickly and, and work a lot of the over routes that, that kind of hit that void uh, if you are having success in creating some push in the run game. So it all starts up front for Miami, but these guys are both very dynamic after the catch. Uh, Will Fuller, his ability to catch the deep ball and, and track the ball vertically is something that nobody else on the roster has a proven ability to do at the NFL level to anywhere near the degree that he has thus far. And uh, I think that's a big layer on potentially unlocking some more vertical throws for Miami, who uh, they really have not gone up over the top with a lot of success early on, in part because of protection, but also because they didn't have their best vertical receiver in the game. Yeah, it should be interesting, you know, if they are able to get that that passing game going, if the Raiders aren't able to establish some kind of pass rush and, and Jacoby Brissett has a little bit extra time, uh, to, you know, to get things going. And if he does, then, you know, hey, then it could be a, it could be a hell of a game. You know, it could be very interesting to see how it all shakes out. And, and I hate to go back to last week because last week is last week and it's over with uh, and, and you can't really, you know, lay on and, and rest on that. But after losing the way that Miami did and knowing Brian Flores as the head coach, the way that his style is, how amped up, how fired up, how ready to go do you feel like he'll have uh, the Dolphins on Sunday? Uh, I would have I would have thought they this same question applied last week with uh, the, the Buffalo Bills ending the Dolphins season in week 17 last year. And they put 56 point him and they came into week 17 as the number one scoring defense. And the Bills sat their starters for the second half. And it really just felt like a kind of an emotional letdown after that, that win in week 16 in Las Vegas. And oh, I think that's the youth of this team and the, the yeah. relative inexperience. They, they only have a handful of guys that are over 30 on the roster. So Maybe last week was the punch in the mouth for the here and now that's going to get him ready to go. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Coach Flores and his ability to lead a group. Uh, so I would like to think he's going to try to push some buttons, but I also thought that would have been the case last week too. So it's kind of a, this team is kind of licking their wounds and how they choose to respond. We're going to find out a lot about the Dolphins character this week in, in week three. Yeah, no, it really will. And and I like Brian Flores as a head coach, so I think that he'll have the team ready to go. He just has that kind of demeanor where I think that, uh, you know, he'll uh, he'll have them positioned to do to do what they need to do to bounce back. But, I mean, hell, it's going to be a tough game regardless how you look mm -hmm. at it. And I, I just got a couple more questions for you, and I did want to ask about the defense. Uh, when it comes to the secondary, I know Xavier Howard's a ball-hawking machine. He's always uh, getting his hands on the ball, and I don't even know why people still throw his way, but they do. And then you got Byron Jones on the other side. Those are two 
two bookend DBs that are really good. Uh, the, the safeties, they're very quality. Uh, where would you say if there was a weak link on the defense, and, and John Gruden said it on Wednesday, that's a very good defense, where would you say the weak link on defense is? Yeah, uh, I think if you can get them into third and shorts, this is a bend but don't break defense. You know, from a, a defensive yardage perspective, they're more than willing to let you have some yards between the 20s. Uh, from time to time, they're banking on you beating yourselves and making a mistake from time to time. So if you can piece together some methodical drives and you know you're going to get some plays underneath, and that was where New England had a lot of success in week one, even though Miami ended up winning that football game, was you know taking the stuff underneath. So I think that's really pertinent with you mentioning Hunter Renfro. And one of the big questions for Miami is, Who's playing the nickel in week one? It was a lot of Nick Needham. Well, Nick Needham got abused by the Buffalo Bills in week 17 last year. And we, Nick Needham, I think, played three defensive snaps in week two. It was, you know, it was very matchup specific. They ended up opting for Justin Coleman to play in the nickel instead. So if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm really dialed in on, okay, who is Miami third corner in this specific game? And, and that's the matchup that Miami's going to try to pick who they think can best handle that assignment. Uh, test him early and find out how up to the task that guy is. What do you think the plan is as far as trying to just stop and slow down Darren Waller? Because everyone knows, as we mentioned earlier in the show, that that's, you know, Derek Carr's target number one above anybody. That's the first guy he's looking for. How do they slow him down? How do they, how do they defend him? Well, you know, it's funny that we always talk about how nobody really cares about your fantasy team, but I lost by three points in week one and Waller got, I was going against Waller with his 27 targets or whatever <laughs> the hell he got in week one I'm sitting here, man, car throw to somebody else, please. Uh, so that was a, a fun matchup last year in week 16 with Eric Rowe, uh, who has become one of the better tight end coverage safeties due to his size and athleticism and experience that he's had at both outside corner and in the nickel. Uh, but interestingly enough, Javon Holland ended up taking some of his snaps, another rookie safety from this class. Yeah. He was taking just a couple of picks ahead of Trevon Morick. Yep. Um, you know, he took a lot of the snaps from week two that typically were reserved for Eric Rowe. So uh, Holland has experience at Oregon playing high post safety and 2019 the last time he played he spent a lot of time down in the slot with some man-to-man -man and getting involved in run fits and being physical and uh, I think Miami has two options there they can either go back to Eric Rowe knowing what that looks like with he was on Waller like glue a couple of times and Waller still caught the ball because he's just that good at the catch point with his catch radius or if they again not like kind of like what we talked about in the nickel if they don't like that matchup they may give the rookie a chance I don't think they'll do that, but I also was surprised to see how much Holland played defensively in week two. So I think those are the two names that, you know, you're most likely going to see on any given play. It's just what distribution of snaps they're going to give to each guy. And finally for you, uh, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, they just going to man one side of the field and roll with it, or, or are they, they kind of moving and switching around these days? So Xavier followed Stefan Diggs uh, throughout the course of the game in week two. And that was not something that the, the Dolphins had the luxury of doing early in the season last year when uh, Byron Jones went down with a groin and missed three and a half games or something like that. So uh, they really embraced Xavier Howard mirroring guys throughout the course of the year last year that continued against Stefan Diggs in week two. Uh, we saw Xavier Howard and he was playing in the slot and following Tyreek Hill when they played the Chiefs last year. So if they feel like that's a benefit to them, whether it is uh, 
Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards or potentially even at times Darren Waller. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily rule it out depending on if they're going to put Waller at split in and let him play outside on the boundary. Would not be surprised to see Xavier Howard get some reps against him. Huh, interesting. That's a good one. Uh, should be a good matchup, man. I'm excited about it. It should be a lot of fun. I know Raider Nation is still thinking about that loss from last season, the way it all shook out. I think the team has forgot about it because, well, you can't think about last year. You just got to keep pushing forward. But, uh, man, it should be a fun matchup. This time, at least there'll be fans in the stands, and it'll be a raucous crowd in, uh, in Las Vegas. So definitely look forward to it. Absolutely. This is, uh, this is like we said, a, a high-stakes AFC clash for two teams that came into this year with some playoff aspirations and, you would hate to get to the end of the road and look back to week three and say, dang, we should have had that one. So both these teams definitely have plenty to play for, for conference leveraging. And, and here's to a good game and a lot of health. And hopefully we both come out on the other side of this. Only one team's going to win, but uh, hopefully we both come out and we, we can say we enjoyed the game and our fan bases are excited about the direction of both teams. Absolutely. Well, I know one thing. I enjoy the crossover. It's always fun catching up with you and talking some X's and O's, talking some Dolphins and Raiders. So I definitely appreciate you. Right on. And, and that's going to do it for this crossover Thursday edition of Locked On Raiders, Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it here on the Locked On Network. So uh, along with Q, this is Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks, as always, for listening. And we hope to catch up with you guys again soon.